Okay, let's hear from the Word of God, <clears throat> Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites, he built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. On it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the law of Moses. All the Israelites, with their elders, officials and judges, were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Lord, of the Covenant of the Lord, uh, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were there. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and the other half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. Well, something that's uh, always a good thing to do is to celebrate milestones. Uh, so, you know, when you turn 21, um, actually, I don't really know what 21 is all about. Why is that so exciting? But anyway, that's apparently a milestone. Uh, maybe because you've um, been on your P's and haven't um, died in a car accident. Perhaps that's what the um, celebration is all about. Uh, then you get to 30. You're supposed to have a big party for 30. I forgot to do that one. Um, then 40, forgot that one as well. Um, still moving on, one day I'll get it right. Uh, it's good to celebrate anniversaries as well. Uh, it's always exciting when you see um, you know, someone who's like the 60th uh, wedding anniversary. Remember Alan and Jean? Uh, fantastic stuff. So it's good to celebrate milestones. Uh, as believers, the celebration is actually God's faithfulness, God's goodness. He's the one who has brought us uh, to this point. And do you see, that's something that you see so many times in the book of Joshua. All of these celebrations, you know, things are going really well, they get to a certain point and they drop everything and celebrate. Uh, or to put it um, more accurately, they stop everything and have a worship service to celebrate God's faithfulness, the way God has brought them to this point. And so at the end of chapter 8 here, the Israelites have reached another milestone in the Promised Land. Uh, they're seeing God's promise being fulfilled in their very midst. And they've just defeated um, Jericho and then Ai. And uh, so at the end of chapter 8, uh, we as the readers are actually transported 30 k's north of Ai uh, to a place called Mount Ebal. And there at Ebal, uh, they, they have a, this worship service, this celebration uh, to mark this milestone because Mount Ebal is a very significant location. It's right in the middle of the Promised Land. It's right at the centre. Now the conquest has really only just begun but already the people are in the very centre of the Promised Land. It's because the Promised Land, you know, it was shaped like a big long section and they came in from the side so they quickly got to the middle but there they are in the middle and they stop and recommit themselves to the Lord in this 
Uh, what is it? It's a covenant renewal ceremony. We've already seen one of these. This is what they did as soon as they crossed the Jordan River. They got through and then they all stopped and had that uh, covenant renewal ceremony. What that means is that the people are gathering to recommit themselves to the Lord. They're renewing their relationship um, with the God who had brought them uh, thus far. And it makes sense for them to do this at the end of chapter 8, not only because of the location, but also because of what had just happened. Remember, they, they defeated Jericho. That went really well. They tried to defeat Ai. It was a disaster. Why? Because there was sin in their midst. Achan had stolen some things from God. And so that, that all had to be dealt with. We looked at that last week. And now... Now that God's favour has been restored, the nation comes together to renew their commitment to the Lord. And even though this ceremony that we just read, it might seem like it's very foreign to us today. You know, Ark of the Covenant, sacrifices, people standing on mountains, seems very foreign and we might think, well, there's not really much uh, practical help for us here. But no, there really is. There's a lot that we can learn from this passage about what, what it looks like to gather as God's people, what it looks like to renew our commitment to him. And uh, we need to realise that, um, you know, that we are the covenant people of God, those who are in Christ. We are God's covenant people. And so uh, just as the people back then renewed their covenant with the Lord, that's something that we can do, uh, that we need to do regularly, renew our relationship uh, with the Lord. And what we see in this passage in particular is the central place that God's Word has in that. The central place that God's Word plays in our renewal, uh, in our relationship with Him. And we see that in three ways in this passage. The first way we see it is that God gathers His people by His Word. Okay, God gets them together and they do everything according to God's word. So God gathers his people by his word. And that's really emphasized in this book. Um, if you have a look at the start in verse uh, 30 and uh, verse 31, uh, it says that the people only did according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses. So you see that in verse 31 uh, with this, uh, this altar that the people built. Uh, they, they built it exactly how the law explained but it wasn't just the altar everything they did at this event was all spelled out by God's word they didn't invent anything they only did what was written now where was it written in the book of Deuteronomy so if we were to go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses uh, 26 to 32 and then Deuteronomy 27 uh, there we see that God said to the people through Moses that when you cross the Jordan, you are to go to this very particular location. And in, in chapter 11 of Deuteronomy, God explains the exact location. Nothing's left up to the people to, to make up. It's all described. Uh, then when they get there, they're to do three things. First, they're to build an altar on Mount Ebal and offer burnt sacrifices and fellowship uh, sacrifices or fellowship offerings. <clears throat> The second thing they do uh, to do is to set up some large stones on Mount Ebal and they're to coat those large stones in plaster and write on those stones the law of God. 
And the third thing they are to do is the whole nation is to be assembled into two groups. So six tribes were to stand on Mount uh, Ebal, uh, and then six tribes were to stand on Mount uh, Gerizim. Now you've got to understand that these two mountains are very close together, uh, with a valley in the middle. And in this setup, you know, the Ark of God is right in the middle, in the valley. Uh, that, the Ark of the Covenant, remember, it, it represents God's presence right in the midst of his people. And so you can see that you know, God's presence is in the middle. The people are standing on the slopes of these two mountains either side. And then the Levites were to take the curses of the covenant and proclaim them. And all of the people who were standing on Mount Ebal were to respond by saying, Amen. And then after that, the people on Mount Gerizim, they would all proclaim the blessings of the covenant. So it's a huge ceremony. I don't know if you can imagine what it would be like. Um, actually, all the commentators I read on this mentioned that this particular setting, it's a natural um, amphitheater. Uh, and, and some of the commentators had actually been there personally. They'd stood on the slopes of uh, Mount Gerizim and someone else was on Mount Ebal and they could call across the valley and easily hear each other. It was just, it's the way it is. Uh, it's a natural amph amphitheater. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if you can imagine, um, there are literally tens of thousands of people standing on one side of the, the valley, tens of thousands on the other. Now, have you ever been to the MCG when it's full? You know, a big game and a massive crowd and it gets to the point where uh, most of the crowd, if it's, you know, the home team, they, they shout or they, they chant the team's name. You know, Collingwood. Um, it's just amazing. It's, it's a really amazing thing. But how much more amazing would it be to have thousands and thousands of people all saying together at the same time, Amen, to the curses of God's covenant. And then to have thousands of people proclaiming the blessing of God's covenant. It would have been an, an extremely uh, exciting event. It would have been fantastic to be at. Um, but the point that the passage is making is that at this event, they only did what they were commanded. They did according to what is written in the Word of God. Now, there's one other feature that we shouldn't miss about this location. Uh, in this valley was a place called Shechem. And it doesn't mention that in this passage, but that's where Shechem was, right in the valley of these two mountains. And Shechem was a very significant place because that's where God appeared to Abraham uh, nearly 500 years earlier. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. And so Abram built an altar right there. And so here are the Israelites. They've all gathered this huge nation in the very place where God spoke the promise. And here they are marking that occasion. They're actually celebrating the fact that God's promise is literally being fulfilled before their very eyes. It would have been an incredible celebration. And so with all this background information, you can actually see uh, it's, it's not only a significant event, it's a very symbolic event, this, this great celebration. But the overriding point here is that they only did what is written in the law of the Lord. It was God who directed them to do this, 
by his word. They didn't invent ways of celebrating God's promise. They didn't make up ways of, of, um, of worshipping. They only did what was written in the word of God. It was God who gathered them by his word. And do you realise that that's a principle that actually stretches right across the pages of scripture? That when, when it comes to the worship of God, this is not something that we invent. It's not something that we make up. Uh, you know, we don't sit around thinking, what would be fun? Uh, what, what would be enjoyable? What would be the best thing we could do? No, no, we worship God according to what he has told us to do. Uh, that, that's a principle that, that stretches right across scripture. And in practice today, that looks a whole lot different to what the Israelites um, had. You know, for example, we don't have to um, set up altars today. You know, we don't have to go out into the um, car park and find some rocks and then um, have a, a barbecue uh, for a worship service. And for us, the location, it's not important anymore. Um, why is that? Why is worship for us so different to what the Israelites went through? It's because everything in the Old Covenant has been fulfilled by Christ. And therefore, everything looks different now. So, for example, altars and sacrifice, all fulfilled in Christ. The cross is the, the altar that Christ himself, he offered himself as the final once-for-all sacrifice to fulfill all sacrifices. And the location for where we worship, uh, it no longer is about um, which mountain should we be on. Remember the conversation Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. You know, Jesus started to hone in on her, her life. She started to feel uncomfortable, so she quickly tried to change the subject. Let's just talk about theology. That's nice and easy. Uh, so she said, which, you know, which mountain should we worship on? Is it Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim? See, the same mountain that's in our passage. And Jesus, of course, said, uh, no, God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about the location. Um, actually, in, in the context of John's gospel, to worship in spirit and in truth, that means worship that is centred on Christ. Okay, We come in and through the Lord Jesus to worship. That's how we worship. Uh, and so when, when we come to worship, what do we come to do? We come to hear God's word. We come to sing God's word. We come to pray God's word. We celebrate Christ. We celebrate Christ in the sacraments. Uh, but we only worship the way God prescribes. Uh, we are to be his people whom he gathers by his word. So that's the first thing we see in this passage. The second thing we see is not only does God gather his people by his word, but he gathers them for the word. He gathers them for his word, to focus on his word. So let's look at verse um, 32. Uh, we read here that um, there in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the law of Moses. And then down in verse 34 and 35, afterward Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as is written in the book of the law, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. So what is the focus of this meeting? It's the word of God. That's what they're all gathered to hear. They're to hear God's word 
proclaimed. Actually, they, they even, they're even gathered to um, watch it being written out. I don't know how long that would have taken, um, but that's, they're here for the word. And do you see, the people already knew uh, that right from the beginning, when, when Moses died and Joshua took over the leadership, the people knew what God said to Joshua. He said to Joshua that the whole success of the conquest, everything that, that has been promised, can only come one way. And let's have a look at what that one way is. Uh, chapter 1, verse 7 to 8. God said to Joshua, Be very strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law of Moses, that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the, to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So right from the beginning, God made it very clear that success in this mission depended not upon the strength of the army, not upon the great strategy of a, a great military leader like Joshua, but success in the conquest depended on faithfulness, faithfulness to the word of God. And that's what the people were gathered to hear, to reaffirm and to keep it themselves uh, to it all over again. And so it's God's word that was central uh, to this covenant renewal, renewing their commitment to the Lord. And do you know, that's how it works every time. Whenever there's a, a renewal of God's people, it's always a return to his word. It's always a centered on his word. And I'm sure many of you know that um, from experience. Uh, perhaps there's been a time in your life where you have turned back to the Lord. You know, perhaps you were wandering for a time and and, and, and something happened and God brought you back. And what happens? Where does your focus go? It goes to his word. You know, there's a return to his word. You have a, a renewed hunger for his word. You want to read it all the time. You know, you don't find it like um, a chore. It's something you just want to do. You want to read it and memorize it and think about it. Whenever there's a renewal, whenever God renews people, it always results in a hunger for his word. And that, of course, is same, it's the same for a local church. How do you know when a church is going well? Because there's a hunger for his word. You know, people want to hear the word preached. They want to talk about it in conversations uh, after the service. Uh, it's when Bible studies are full. You know, when the singing is focused on the truths of God's word, that's how you know a church is going well. That's, and that, because that's the way God renews us. Uh, that's, and that's what God gathers his people for. Why are we here? To hear his word. To listen to God speak. And uh, of course, that's what we want to keep the focus of Frankston Presbyterian Church. We want to be a church that is focused on the word of God. You know, and whatever changes we go through over the next uh, few months or, or years, uh, the one thing that must not change is we must always keep the Word of God central. That that's what we're going to build our church on, the Word of God. It's what we're going to build our lives on uh, because that's the way God renews us in, his, in our relationship with Him. In fact, this is one of the main ways that you can 
test the health of your relationship with God? Do you have a love for His Word? Do you read it regularly? Is it something that you enjoy doing, something you long to do, something that you set aside time for because you want to be in in His Word? You want to listen to Him? Okay, so the people, they're gathered by the Word, they're gathered for the Word, but finally we see here they're also gathered to do the Word. Okay, they're gathered to do the Word. And you can see that especially in the way this meeting is set up. So the focus of hearing God's word is actually to hear uh, the blessings and the curses of the covenant. And uh, so let's have a look again at the passage. Verse 33. It says, All the Israelites with their elders, officials and judges were standing on both sides of the ark of the covenant of the Lord, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were there, Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formerly commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as is written in the book of the law. So here the people, they're meeting with the Lord and the thing that they're listening to are the terms of the covenant. And the terms of the covenant, if you go back and read um, Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28 and 29, there you will read all of the terms of the covenant. You know, the curses for disobedience, the blessings for obedience. And that's what the people have, have come to reaffirm. They've come to reaffirm that blessing comes through obedience. The curse comes through disobedience, breaking the covenant. And with these two battles behind them now, the battle at Jericho and at Ai, they've just experienced in a very tangible way both the blessing of the covenant and the curse of the covenant. Because at Jericho, uh, they, they enjoyed the blessing of God leading them into victory. And how did they experience that? By obeying his word. Remember, God gave all the instructions. This is how you are to take Jericho. The people were faithful to the word. And they saw the city walls come tumbling down. They they finished that easily. But then they've also experienced God's judgment. They experienced the curse that came through the disobedience of one man, Achan. And so they've witnessed both the blessing and the curse already. And so in this covenant renewal ceremony they are reaffirming this reality that blessing comes through obedience curse comes through disobedience and so no one could leave that message unchanged now here they are you know half the the nation on mount ebal saying amen to the curse of the covenant the other half saying amen to the blessing and so no one could go back to their tent as if nothing had happened, as if they could just go on living however they liked. No, no, the, the people, God's people, are in a covenant with him. There are terms of the covenant. God has laid out how the relationship works. And here we see it's blessing for obedience, curse for disobedience. And so to live in a relationship with God 
there it must be a relationship characterized by faithfulness which is in obedience and through the people's obedience they would enjoy all that god had saved them for all that he had brought them into the land for and so what we have in this ceremony it's actually a very a very helpful picture for how a relationship with god actually works uh, in fact the order of the service did you notice what the order of the service was what's the first thing that they started with sacrifices now they built the altar offered these sacrifices why do they start with that because that is the only way that anyone can be in a relationship with god the only way that sinful people can be in a relationship with a holy god is if something is done about the people's sin and do you know that um do you know where they built the altar it was on mount ebal now why was the altar on mount ebal because that's the side that the curses were proclaimed and so there in the midst of of the curses being proclaimed is this altar where burnt offerings are offered and the burnt offerings were the ones that they did to atone for their sin you know to satisfy god's wrath against their sin to turn that away so that they could be forgiven and so that's where they begin this service by acknowledging that it's only because of a sacrifice that they can be in this relationship with god that's the basis for the relationship and as we saw earlier that of course was a foreshadow of the once for all sacrifice of jesus you know it's it's through him his shed blood that god's wrath is turned away from our sin and that we are forgiven of all our sin and so it's actually through faith in christ that the curse of the law is taken away and we receive the blessing of the covenant the blessing of the covenant is what it's fellowship with god that's the blessing and it comes through christ and that alone is the basis for this relationship okay for the israelites how were they in a relationship with with god through christ alone okay they looked forward in these sacrifices before them they they saw in that a shadow of the one sacrifice that god himself would provide in the lord jesus and so for us you know we look back now to the one the once for all sacrifice by christ and so both israelites and christians were saved exactly the same way through the sacrifice of jesus and that's why we can say we're we're all the covenant people of god we all belong to the covenant of grace one people uh, stretched across the old and the new covenant but it's it's both the foundation is the lord jesus his sacrifice to take away our sin and then what's the second thing that happens in this order of service what happens the law is proclaimed okay only after that they've established that we're in this relationship through the sacrifice now the law is proclaimed and so what does that show us it shows us that god's law was never given as the way into a relationship we don't establish the relationship by keeping the law no no god establishes the relationship by grace and then the way we live that in that relationship the way we enjoy that relationship is the law 
He gives us the law so we know how to enjoy fellowship with him, how to live uh, in, in this relationship with him. And that's why keeping the law is the way to enjoy the blessing. That's how you enjoy fellowship with God, by living his way. Um, but we can see here that obedience uh, is always a response to God's grace. And, uh, and again, we, we actually see here, this is why the blessing, you know, the blessing of the covenant, it comes to those who have faith in Christ. Uh, because it's only when we are united to Christ by faith that our hearts are changed, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are enabled to obey the Lord. So how can you enjoy the blessing of being in this covenant with God? Through faith in Christ and that changing your heart so that you can obey. Do you know that was the promise of the new covenant? Remember if you read Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the promise of the new covenant, God writing his law on our hearts, filling us with his spirit to enable us to live his way. And so in the new covenant, that doesn't lessen the need for obedience. It actually enables it. You can obey God when you are united to Christ. You can enjoy fellowship with God uh, through faith in Christ. And so the curse of the covenant, who, who, who experiences the curse of the covenant? Those who reject Jesus. Right? And, and the reality of um, the scriptures that we you know, even reminded of today in the morning service that not all of Israel were is Israelites. And not all had faith. They were part of the, the covenant community, but not all of them trusted in the Saviour to come. And so the curse of the covenant comes on those who reject Christ. The blessing comes to those who receive Christ and follow him. And so the people were gathered to do the word, to hear it and to commit themselves to it. Now, do you realise that there is a sense in which every time we gather today, or, you know, in this time, whenever we gather, there's a sense in which it is like a covenant renewal ceremony because we're gathering to hear God's word and to respond to it. We're gathering uh, to hear God's word and to recommit ourselves to Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And so in one sense, if you think about every sermon that you ever hear in Frankston Presbyterian Church, in some ways you're actually hearing the blessing and the curses of the covenant. You know, you're hearing the curse of the covenant for all of those who reject Jesus. And you're hearing the blessing of the covenant for all of those who, who receive Christ, who follow him. And so that, that means that just like the Israelites couldn't, you know, they couldn't go home as if nothing had happened, they couldn't go home just living as any, any way they wanted. It's the same with us today. Whenever we attend a service, whenever we gather around God's word to listen to him, we can't go home as if nothing has happened. We can't go home living any way we like. Because if we've heard the word of God, if we're in this relationship with him, then we must go away determined to obey him. And that's how we enjoy this relationship. And so a worship service, you don't just come here for information. 
You don't just come here to catch up with friends. Uh, it's not just a social gathering. I mean, you can certainly do all that, but what is it first and foremost about? It's about meeting the Lord, meeting with the Lord, hearing his word, renewing your commitment to him. You know, like the Israelites, we are gathered by his word. We're gathered for his word. We're gathered to do his word. And so right now, even right now, what are we doing? We're beginning the week by recommitting ourselves, determining to follow Christ. When we go to work tomorrow, uh, when you go to school, children, what are you doing here? You're recommitting yourself. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to enjoy this relationship that Christ has saved me for. That's what God gathers his people to do, to hear his word and to obey it. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just praise you uh, that you are a God who speaks uh, and that you are a God who has spoken your word. We praise you, Heavenly Father, that uh, we can hear your word even tonight as we've reflected on this uh, ceremony that happened so long ago, and yet we see that uh, you are the same God. Uh, it's the same relationship, a relationship of, uh, that we're saved by grace through faith. And we thank you that we're saved for a relationship where we can uh, belong to you as your people and live your way. Father, help us to do that. Uh, help us as we go into this new week to remember who we are in Christ, that we have been saved uh, for obedience. Uh, we pray that we would put to death those things that hinder that, the things that cause us to stumble. Help us, Lord, to set our eyes fixed on Jesus and to run the race that he has set out before us. We thank you that he is the, the faithful saviour, the one who will never leave us or forsake us. And we thank you, Father, that when we serve uh, the Lord Jesus, that we are never running in vain. Uh, that this is what you've saved us for. We pray this in Jesus' name.